0: We practice what's called the uh, scaled agile framework from the board of directors down to the, our executive leadership team, down to the middle management, all the way down to individuals. We're all aligned to a strategy to accomplish what we think is going to be best for our customers.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Connected Philanthropy podcast. My name is Rachel Myers. I'm guest hosting a few episodes while we dig into how we can all work smarter, not harder, as we move into 2023. So we've covered a few different topics so far. We've talked about time management. We've talked about prioritization. Today, we are taking a look at how to actually get the work done. (laughs) So it's great to create space for working. It's great to prioritize the work. But then at some point, we actually have to get the work done. And so we have a special guest with us. We're very fortunate to have Aaron Salazinski, who works at FoundIt. And Aaron is also not just the director of engineering, but also an expert in the Agile Uh, approach to getting work done. And he's going to tell us so much more about that, which I'm excited about because it's something I'd love to learn more about. And it's a a very common approach uh, for a lot of tech Companies, but also other companies who are adapting the strategies. So that's kind of where we're going to do our deep dive today. Uh, Before I have Aaron introduce himself uh, more fully, I want to just quickly introduce myself if we haven't crossed paths before. I have been working in the nonprofit and philanthropic sector for the past 24 years. I was an executive director for 12 years. I worked at my local community foundation for nine years. I've been a board member. I'm a donor. And for the past little over a year, I have been consulting with nonprofits and other organizations. So I know how tricky it can be to move those key projects forward when you're sitting in uh, in an organization surrounded by competing priorities. So That's really the that was the inspiration for this whole work smarter, not harder, content series is to help us all because we're all learners (laughs) um, sort out how we can create the space uh, and using the tools and tips and approaches that make the most sense for us to get our important work done because we know how important the work is that all of you listening are doing. So thank you for that, Erin. Will you please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up? Uh, in the role you haven't found it.
0: In. Hey, Rachel, thanks for having me. Uh, how I wound up here? <laughs> um, went to school for fine arts. I uh, got a background in in, in graphic design, uh, and that led to working for an ad agency who needed someone to build websites. And this is 1999, and so that was you're like, all right, that sounds like a cool job, you know, and uh, kind of just fell back into in, into the software development industry. Um, but learned enough skill sets. Um, and this is back before Google, Yahoo, and some message boards about all you had to like search.
1: I remember 1999.
0: <laughs> but you had to actually use books to research and learn, right? There's, you couldn't just go everything. I had done enough skill sets to learn how to uh, um, be really dangerous at my job, you know, software development at the time. And within 30 mm-hmm. minutes at Monster.com, got a call from a recruiter. You have a great skill set. Uh, we're going to pay you you know, upmarket, you know, know, and uh, by the way, it's with Disney. Are you, are you interested? Absolutely. Heck yeah. Some guy who doesn't have any background in engineering going to go work for Disney. So, and I only bring that up because when I was at Disney, I wore many hats there too. I I went from being a developer, you got to be a project manager, got to, you know, um, product management didn't exist at the time, Um, but uh, got to be a team lead, you know, and eventually wound up, um end up up getting into the operations management position. But when I was a team lead, uh, I had started reading this book on, on what was called agile delivery practices. Um, it's in about 2005, 2000, 2006, 2007 is when agile started coming about. And so I delivered, I, I, I delivered at this time we are like, that's no big deal when you hear about it, but like Disney's online check-in was a big deal like being able to check into your resort online without having to go to the front de- you know, desk. Was a big deal. So I helped land that first iteration of that feature for the Disney, you know, the Walt Disney World parks and resorts. And it was behind schedule. It was like six months, like it had been passed around. Like it was the project going on for eight months. It had been handed off to six different project managers. And they finally, like, Aaron, you're, hey, we're making a lead again. Fix this. I'm like, okay. So I just read the book, had moved from project management back into engineering. And uh, like, we're going to, so the team was like four or five engineers, like, we're going to use Agile to fix this. And one of the team members, senior team members, was like, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Let's do it. So, broke it, you know, following the, the best practices, which we'll get into, you know, we're able to actually, we, and we only had like three months to d- get this wrapped up. A project, we eight months, and we had three months, way behind schedule, and no pressure. But using those practices, we were able to manage the scope and deliver on time and deliver on budget. So, I was like, all right, there's something legitimately here.
1: Yes, that's amazing. Agile. So I'm—I was pronouncing. It. I knew so little about it. I was even pronouncing it wrong. So it's agile. Okay, now oh, I'm, I like my
0: southernness. So yeah, is that your
1: southernness? Okay, is my northernness. <laughs> like
0: com- agile, 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 agile. 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 <laughs>
1: All right, we'll get to the bottom of it. This is the burning question for the podcast. Just kidding. Uh, so yeah, I'm super excited to learn more about, and I know you are going to share lots of uh, insight about about Agile slash Agile. And I know that a lot of the folks listening are thinking like, I noticed that so many times it would just, the momentum piece of keeping, like you were saying, like you only had three months when you were given this project. And in some ways, maybe that, I mean, I'm sure it was very stressful, but it's almost a blessing to be like, okay, this is the time we have. We have to deliver by this date. And what I felt a lot of times, and I still sometimes struggle with this for sure, is like when all these different things are happening, making progress in a timely way, like keeping that momentum going. So I'm super excited to hear about that piece along with, um, and I'm sure lots of other folks would love to hear sort of like the, I guess what I'm, the question for you is like, when you think about the challenges that many teams face, um, how do you feel Agile sort of um, addresses those challenges and helps helps to mitigate some of those?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just about getting work done. There's multiple methodologies, but the easiest way to wrap it, sum them up. You've got what your, you know, your, your traditional waterfall methodology, and you've got your, you know, and then you've got these these agile methodologies that have come about in the last they've been around for 40 years right the car industry's been doing it for a long time toyota's they they pioneered it and we can, that's a whole sure. historical discussion we get into it comes down to two factors how critical is the final deliverable and how much change are you expecting to affect that final deliverable so as you're in the middle of developing you know whatever that final deliverable is if you know for a fact that there's be no no changes coming in what are there's inputs and outputs You don't have inputs coming in to to alter the specification of what you're trying to do. Waterfall can work. Waterfall is very handy in that regard. However, if you're very much in a dynamic environment, like software development, where we do watch market trends, we do see customers what they want. If you plan your work out a year ahead of schedule, well, that target is not going to maybe make customers happy. Because what we're really trying to do is what Agile really does is really tries to enable to let your customer be happy. And we all have a customer. Every business has a customer. So that's what we're getting to.
1: That makes sense. And I think the flexibility and the responsiveness is something that many folks in the nonprofit and philanthropic sector could relate to directly, right? So sometimes, yeah, you're on a path and this seems like what needs to happen. And then uh, there's a disaster in your community or there's a new need that, that, um, that your organization needs to address. And suddenly you're pivoting away from what you thought was the path into a new path. And so, yeah, I'm curious about what are some of the sort of um, steps or or uh, tools that that Agile brings to that kind of responsive work?
0: So I, I can reference every company delivers value. It's about delivering value. All right. So what is your strategy to deliver value? What are you trying to do? Uh, nonprofits are trying to, you know, whatever their mission is, right? what they're, we're trying to achieve. All right. That becomes that becomes an overall uh, you know, that is that is the um, what is the just cause? You know why are you working this? Why why is this? Why why are you in existence? You take that and then you have to start. It really gets deep. We really have to step back here a bit, right? Um, in order to like because everything it feeds all the all the way down to the tactics that we'll call it of like you know like the ceremonies that used to execute in the framework. Um, but basically the strategy, you know your your business strategy, your product strategy, we'll call it that will uh you've got a vision and then that feeds a strategy okay well, here's our strategy to land the vision and then from that strategy you can start breaking that up into all right what are the different pieces of you know that achieve that strategy like we want to you know we want to do you know we, we have an objective we want to achieve that that um let's say a nonprofit is uh battling childhood ob- obesity all right great all right so well, you know, this is what we're trying to mimic in our software development too. The product we're bringing for our customers. Um, how do I structure that as a campaign, and how do I you know, the opportunities to fulfill that campaign? So again, it's just breaking that down to smaller bits. And so that's from those smaller bits, you get what we call our product backlog. You get your backlog of work items to do. Right. So looking at this, okay, here's the opportunity to fulfill that um, that opportunity. I break that down into smaller pieces. Well, now I can prioritize that, and I know that what I'm working on is actually feeding into the higher, you know, the value, the, the higher structure of what we're looking for. It's feeding into um, the, the, the delivery of, of value that achieves that opportunity, which feeds the ultimate, you know, uh, strategy for our company. This scales all the way from one team member up to tens of thousands of team members working off the same backlog, depending on the scope and scale of what's being done.
1: Right. Two things that really stood out to me about what you just said uh, that definitely are reinforced in the research and training I've had around getting work done. And one was connecting the work itself to the vision or strategy of the organization that is so crucial and think about for any of us we all of us want to understand why is this important why is this the most important thing so just making those connections crystal clear i love that piece and the other piece about it that about how, what you're describing that really stands out to me as exciting is the visibility piece here are the different Product backlogs is what you call them. But here are the chunks. <laughs> and we've decided that this piece is most important, but you're still seeing like, here are the other pieces that we, you know, we will either reprioritize or we'll get to, you know, we'll get to those next.
0: And there's a point to be said about that. You're not, when you first think about those items, you're not planning how you're going to do it, right? You're not planning, you know, you're not getting, the de- you're not, we call it gold plating. You're not gold plating the plan because the plans change. And then what all of a sudden you spent, three days planning this one piece of work, well, guess what, an item, four items down in the back, all of a sudden got higher priority, like, uh-oh, we just burned four days. So there's a lot of just-in-timeness to this, and that's t- the, the challenge there for individuals, you know, it's like the planning aspect. Like, you've got to really take a step back, because people, you know, individuals, human beings, we like structure. We like organization. We like to know we have some sense of control. I do practices, um, it's, it, it's a, there's some, it's, it's an art, it's a discipline to be learned to like, all right, let's not go too down the rabbit hole just yet. We call it rabbit holing like, we don't want a rabbit hole just yet. So, right.
1: So how do you, pre- how do you actually like, what does it look like? I'm curious for your team to not to prevent yourself from rabbit holing Oh gosh. If I could present my, prevent myself from going down rabbit holes, that would be delicious and so productive. Um, so like, how does it look, what does it look like in your actual daily practice within the team?
0: Great question. Uh, so so the key word there's team. So that's like you as an individual, you make your own choices by yourself. You like, you rule a day. Like, here's what we're, here's what I'm going to do today. Um, but when you, when you start expanding your work beyond the individual, it becomes a team effort. Um, and so having that, group the, the group of peers to like hey we're, here's what we're doing let's talk about it so having that collaborative environment it's like here's what we're going to do and we're not again we're not collaborating on the minutiae like the exact detail like there's that if you get into that that becomes like well maybe that's a process we need to close out like let not where are we talking process here we actually talking delivered value um but part of that team uh it, it not only composes of of the individuals who actually execute the work you know, but it also individuals who decide how they do decide how the work's going to get done. That's our team leads. Uh, we do have subject matter experts. That in our case, that's our product management team. They're the ones who know what we're trying to build for the product. But the key team member for all of that is the Scrum Master. The Scrum Master's job in, in, on an Agile team is to be that impartial third party and to, and to basically pull you back out of that hole. Like, wait a second, are you going a little too far? Right? And so... It's like timeout. Do we need, you know, And it's a fine line because there are certain details you need to, a, a good scrum master knows to let the team go just far enough to where they get what they need. Like, all right, stop. Cause otherwise you can start rabbit holing on details that actually don't provide any value. And it, it actually spawns a piece of work that derails the whole effort. And that's, that's, and it's better. Like you, again, gold plating, you're planning for scenarios that may never happen. So you're supposed to stop. And that's the other key point to, to, uh, Working agilely is iterative improvement.
1: So it feels like the Scrum Master position uh, is—it's like an art and a science a little bit. It's sort of like part, uh, part big picture thinker, part facilitator, and um, and and maybe part project manager as well. So how does one how does one balance that? I think. If, am I correct in saying that you are a Scrum Master? Is that true?
0: I've been a scrum master in the past. Yes. You know, I've yeah. So previous jobs before found it, you know, after I left Disney, I was I was scrum master for several companies, you know, and that's but it's but it's no understanding what the big thing like, what's our strategy? Does this align with the strategy and, and being able to and trusting the scrum master to be that impartial third party? And so but it's not, let's, let's be clear, the team members are all equal. There's no, everyone's got their specialty. There's not someone to say, stop it, you know, you're not doing your job. You know, the Scrum Master's job is to make sure the value is being delivered on a consistent basis, right? So, and, and removing roadblocks, the, the second piece of that is like, what are the roadblocks from you delivering value? So that's where the project management piece comes in, you know, what's different from a project manager, is typically project managers, they're like, all right, what's the holdup? Well, this is taking me four weeks and they'll update the, you know, the Gantt chart. to say, all right, it slides everything four weeks where it's like, all right, why is it taking you four weeks? All right, let's, oh, it's a process gap. It's it's an unknown, it's a it's a third party dependency. All right, how do we how do we eliminate that so we can continue moving forward? So the scrum master very much herds the cats, I like to say. It's about herding cats. Because ultimately you want to use the scrub the scrum master takes the cognitive load off the product team, you know, your your subject matter expert and your your team members who are actually getting the work done. You want to take that load off them as much as possible. Not that they're automatons, but so they can focus on like where they find gratification. Cause like they're working for you because they find gratification doing. They don't want to do the project management stuff. They just want to knuckle down and deliver value. That's what you're paying them for. Or why they're volunteering, you know. So
1: Yeah. And like continuing, like we were we said earlier, to connect their work to the big picture, to the big vision, to the big mission. Yeah, that's I think that's super, super helpful. So I, I hear what you're saying about it's an iterative, you know, process. And so, how iterative are we talking? Like, how like do is this something where you're meeting a few times a week? Are you meeting daily with this kind of a, an approach, or how does that look?
0: Sure. So, um, there's no there's no prescribed. Again, the framework is very loose. If you read up anything on you'll, you'll hear you'll hear typicals, all right, and you'll hear best practices. But there's no there's no prescription like all right, you must do this. That's not. That's not actually being agile. Like Every team's going to adapt how they want. It. Every company's going to do it the way they want to do it. How we do it, and how software companies typically do it, um, unless they're, they're very optimized and they have a very senior team who are very trusting, so that's another aspect of it. You don't want to put this process in just for process sake. Part of agile is like, you know what? I've got a team of 30 engineers who've been doing this for 30 years. They know what they're doing. I'm going to just like, fellas, go create. Go get stuff done. However, if it's a very like, you know, if you've got timelines and deadly know to go, you want to know, you want to, your the fidelity, you, you want to have a high fidelity of input, you know, what's going on. Like you want to make sure that that, the, that you're getting the feedback needed so you can act. Not so you could, you know, use a stick to beat the team over with, like you're not working fast enough, but so you can identify those roadblocks. So we meet daily. Our teams, all our engineering teams, we meet daily for 15 minutes. And in that 15 minutes, um, essentially, they ask three questions. There's a fourth question now, but three questions like, what did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? And do you have any roadblocks? And the fourth question is like, how much more and how much more time do you need? Right. Just gut check, you know. So um, and that basically uh, that that gives the scrum master and our team, the whole whole team, an idea of like, "Okay, this individual is making progress. We're seeing iterative progress towards where, where this can land. So once a day, um, and that happens in two-week blocks. We call those sprints or iterations, and so we plan work for basically two weeks. So there's a planning cycle where you know we, we said we don't rabbit hole. Um, we 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 practice what's called the scaled agile framework at 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 acknowledge, and that's basically most software companies agile is performed by engineering and product, and that's it. Sales isn't part of it. Marketing's not part of it. The, the the executive team is a part of it. And the, the challenge with that is the direction and strategies that those teams want to do don't align with what engineering and products doing sometimes. And then we have collisions. What Ag- Scaled Agile allows is from the board of directors down to the our executive leadership team, down to the middle management, all the way down to individuals, we're all aligned to what we talked about before. We're all aligned to a strategy to accomplish what we think is going to be best for our customers. So, we plan in quarterly increments, so we we look at the next three months, the beginning of every calendar quarter, and like, all right, we think we can get this work done, right? We call it plan. Here's, you know, we we plan by enough by saying broad brushstrokes. We think we're, we're going to pencil this in. Then every two weeks, that's when we get we go in and start kind of filling in some of the details, enough to like where the team's like, okay, yeah, we can get that, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. I see how that works. Oh, that's so useful. I yeah. Okay. For like a I know this podcast is not visual, but now I'm sort of envisioning like um, a piece of paper that has the quarter uh, with the big goal at the top, written across the top. And then your sprints are the little chunks. If you have a timeline, oops, going underneath the headline, they're the little chunks that then connect back up to that big, you know, goal. Priority.
0: And the goal for each of those chunks, and this is the goal for our teams, the goal of each of those chunks should demonstrate value that was delivered to meet the, the overall arching goal. So it's not, it's not, is it total customer value? Is my team going to build something that, you know, my founding customers are like, oh, we get to use that. Not every time, sometimes to enable, you know, further down the line for something to launch. And that's just, that's software development. That's very much, you're building a house with well, the walls framed up, the customer, you know, there's the wood framing customer is not really going to benefit from that, but it enables the finishing of the house, right? So that, I really like that analogy of building a house is equivalent to how agile methodologies work, how software development works, actually. So.
1: Yeah, I do. I like that for for lots of uh, organizations, actually, because so many times you have to build a structure or a system of some kind before there's a benefit to, you know, it's allowing it's the sort of launching pad for something to allow something else to happen. So that is a I re, that is a really helpful analogy. Uh, if someone is thinking about this, you know, sort of learning more about this and potentially, ad, ad, you know, adopting um, this strategy to their, to the way they work, what, what are your suggestions or um, recommendations as far as next steps?
0: Uh, the best place to start is, is, is a good old YouTube. Go to YouTube, look for it, um, and then just, and go on LinkedIn and just, there's so many, you know, Scrum Master groups out there. You can just find a Scrum Master group and just start posting questions. That it's, Scrum Master is all about optimization as much as possible and helping each other out. Um, so it's, they're, they're really the heart of like, they're the engine that helps keep it you know moving forward. That's what the Scrum Master's job is. Along, about 10 years ago, that was just a role it wasn't really a defined decision. So it's someone assumed the role of scrum master. So usually it was like a software development lead. I was the software development, but I would also assume the role of scrum master. And now in the last you know, five, six years, it's evolved into its own standalone position because there's so much to do, like optimizing the business up and down the total business. That's I can't do software development and that
1: piece. Right. It's like that connective tissue you know, between all the different pieces. And when I think about, you know, obviously that makes a ton of sense for software. But when I, again, when I think about a nonprofit organization and the different work they're doing and how, you know, with some of the clients I work with, how easy it is even within one department with if it's a larger organization for folks to get siloed right they're working of course um on their particular you know role and, and um, focus area and you know we all get into our little silos or in, deep into our rows i think of it like a field right and then, like you're in your row which in the corn and it's sometimes so tricky to look up and be like oh wait they're doing something i should I should have known about that. I wish I'd known about that a month ago. And, you know, so then having a actual, <clears throat> you know, defined role that is Scrum Master or connective tissue kind of person that keeps everybody um, not so much about their deliverables, but it really is more about like making sure alignment is happening.
0: Solid point. Uh, the, the one thing, caveat I want to give to you about being Scrum Master, and this happens every place I've been, we like to joke about this, but like, you resp- you know, they're they are responsible for everything, but in charge of nothing. So it's very much a, it's very much a. You're responsible for delivery, but you're not in charge of any of the team members who are doing it. So you can't have that HR aspect of it. You're not responsible for making sure the product properly designed, end up defined. You have a say in it. So it, there's a bit of letting go, and that's where the planning piece is. Like ah, we're not sticking to the plan. Like it's it, it's okay, it's all right. Trust your team members, but have those conversations so that team member needs to be willing to have those conversations and be open to like okay what do we need to do to make this better right and they, they usually become a very much a kPI you know focus like all right how many how much work i done this week why didn't we get more done can we get more done so that's very much that, that type of role so they're not in charge of anything in particular but they're responsible for everything versus being responsible and in charge so
1: fascinating I love this I'm definitely going to read more about um scrum master and agile personally and i think um i guess the maybe that sort of as a last sort of if you wanted people to leave with um with you know something to take away from this conversation um i one question i'm dying to ask you is um what do you feel like like personally as a leader you have gained um or um Ben, how have you benefited as a leader from from implementing this approach?
0: As a leader, you have to be connected to your team members who are actually getting the work done. Like, so you really connect on that level. Uh, Cause it's not about ivory tower leadership at this part, right, like it's not my job to figure out, tell them what exactly to do. My job then becomes like, okay, the framework is lined up, here's the work that gets done. So now I can focus on what I'm supposed to do as a leader, which is, I'm a big believer that you know, my job is not to elevate the team members themselves, my job is to give them a frame, my team members a, a way to elevate themselves within the company. And then the gaps I've got, I can work on that. That's my job as a leader. So by getting them closer, building those relationships, building a trust, um, giving them a spot to where they feel like they understand what we're doing, they're finding gratification in their job. That's what I'm supposed to So That's what that's what this allows me to do versus top-down leadership. You need to do this, this. I need to know everything that's going on. I don't, I don't need to know that. That's not, I don't work with that kind of organization. I've worked for those organizations and they're, it's, yeah, that's, that's not good. It's not healthy. No,
1: I, I, I can appreciate everything you're saying. And I think you're spot on because under, like we have already mentioned a couple of times, you're connecting folks, um, to why they're doing the work they're doing, but you, as a, their leader, are also staying connected to what they're accomplishing and what they're and, and what roadblocks, as you mentioned before, need to be uh, addressed or or navigated. But I I like how that um, fits in on sort of both sides of the of the leadership spectrum.
0: Well, on this again, I'm paying them to deliver value. They're working for me because they can deliver value. They're working for the organization because they believe in the value, you know, the mission of the organization. Thus, if they're Focused on if they're all their time, if I optimize their time as much as possible to, you know, to build, to deliver value as fast as they can, that's elevating the organization, that's elevating them. So everything. It's it all connects together.
1: <laughs> it does, and I love that. I love how it all connects together. Uh, so, a couple of things I wanted to share out um, uh, while we're talking about getting things done. Just, it, I think it's very complimentary to what you've already shared with us, Aaron. So, feel free to jump in. But a few sort of time tested tips that I wanted to share with folks who are listening about. Um, productivity and, and getting getting the work done. Uh, one is making your goals specific. And uh, and Aaron has gotten has sort of described a really fascinating way to do that that's time specific. And I that was going to be my second tip. Like make things time specific. Cause I know for me when I was leading an organization man, if we didn't have a deadline on something, it was so easy for that something to move down the list uh, in, in, in lieu of something that did have a deadline, an event or a, a training or something like that. So make things, t- you know, put a deadline on it, put a date on it, um, and then write it down. So there is all this research out there about the power of simply writing down an actionable goal versus just saying it. Uh, so some folks believe that you have a 42% greater chance of achieving your goal just by writing them down so or typing them. So I offer that up as a couple of tips that have served me well. Um, oh, one more thing um, before we wrap up this topic, and that is I just read an article a few days ago, and they used the word, I'd never heard this phrase before, monotask instead of multitask. So in other words, don't multi don't multitask. Multitask does not work. It's a waste of your time when you're context switching between different things too much. So monotask. In other words, focus on one thing at a time and really try and stack your work as much as you can. Not every day will allow this, but stack similar work together. So even your bra- your brain doesn't have to context switch. You're already editing or you're already writing, keep writing. Um, You know, if you're already researching, keep researching, even if it's not for the exact same project. So those are a couple of takeaways that I wanted to share with the team. Is there anything else that we need to um, share with our listeners, Aaron, before we sign off?
0: No, you you hit a lot of what you touched on. Agile uh, addresses that work in process limits, queue links, you know, what have you. So there's a lot of like which what you prescribe. There there is a there is a there is a framework for that, you know, to make that easy and it just plugs in. So awesome.
1: Okay. Well I really, really appreciate your time today and all your expertise, Aaron. Thank you so much for taking the time to share this with me and with everyone who's listening. And I'd love to hear for all of you listening, we'd love to hear the systems and approaches that you're using to tackle your work and get stuff done. So if you want to share some of that over on Compass, that would be delightful. Otherwise, thanks for listening and thanks for all the good work that you're doing. We appreciate you. Take good care.